Welcome to episode two of Let's Watch Cop Rock, an 11-episode podcast discussing that classic police procedural rock musical soap opera crime drama Cop Rock, 11 episodes of which aired on ABC during the fall of 1990. Over the course of this podcast as a whole, we discuss the events of the show, our reactions to the music, and the ways this program worked or didn't work, and why some of it still seems very relevant today. Sometimes we get political, sometimes we crack up uncontrollably, sometimes we tell unbelievable but entirely true stories of our own lives' intersections with crime or law enforcement or both. Every episode we play good cop, bad cop, or innocent bystander, and sometimes we aren't sure what to do beyond to say, what the fuck? To recap briefly from last time, the chief of police is an insane and violent person who shoots animatronic dummies he keeps in a closet. Officer Overacting's partner was killed, there's a guy with an enlarged prostate, a woman who is bad at math sold her baby, and everyone is from New York. I don't want to delay you any longer, but I will take a moment to emphasize you should watch the second episode of Cop Rock before listening to this episode of the podcast. It'll make a lot more sense. If you want to chat about the show, you can find Officer Orifice on Twitter at at Officer Orifice. I'm there too, as at Cop Rocker. Links to places where you can buy your very own copy of Cop Rock are in the show notes, but remember, you can always find it on Amazon at a very reasonable price. Our theme music is The Crime by Risework, with full attribution in the show notes. And now, let's watch Cop Rock. Dear listeners, uh, <laughs> I have decided to uh, embrace my uh, my Italian roots and. Uh, and therefore, uh, I will henceforth uh, be known as uh, Officer Orifice. Um, I feel like if we just keep saying it, it eventually it, it'll, yes. I'll be coming out and Orifice. 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 You're obviously the, the, how did you put it, the spiky Italian I'm cop. the spiky, yeah, not as the spiky Italian, because it's a cop show, so it's the spiky Italian, right? Mm. So it has to be right. Italian, right? Yeah. Okay. Because these are New York cops in LA for exactly. inexplicable reasons. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mass exodus, you know, down to LA. Mm-hmm. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. So they can sweat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of sweat in this show. I don't know what the sweat budget was. <laughs> I'm thinking pretty high. Kind of like this is instead of fluffers, they got little sweaters. Exactly. You know? yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> sh- sh- you're not wet enough. <laughs> we would have paid for decent music, but we had to buy more misters. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to have been sweat wrangler. Wow, that would been great, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if they said in L.A. so that everybody would sweat a lot. Because, you know, in, in, in movie New York, and TV New York, it's always cold. It's always winter. That's true. Yeah. Um, they still sweat in the winter. <laughs> I thought that man whose like, car got jacked by the uh, policeman, he got off badly. That's a weird scene. That's a like, very strange scene. Like, cops are not going to 
use a, a jimmy to get mm-hmm. your car up and to turn off your headlights. Yes. They just keep driving. Yeah. yeah. And also, the house was right there. Yeah. So, and he was obviously at home because his car was there. So we could have just like knocked on the house and said, you've left your lamps on. And I think the car was probably more expensive than the house. Too. <laughs> yes, yes, the car was worth more than that house and several other houses around it put together. Yes. Wow. In fact, we never saw the bottom of the house in any of the shots. So do you think that that house might have been on wheels and they actually live in the car and they drive the house? <laughs> they attach it to the back of the Mercedes. <laughs> and this... It's like the, the, the Tiny Homes 1990 LA. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's why the lights were on. Because they were, yeah. they were just like, you know, like you leave the lamp on, don't you, to stop you, yourself getting burgled. Yeah, they're just home. Yeah. You know? <laughs> At home. They were just getting some stuff out of the car, i.e. Yeah. the house. Exactly. <laughs> to carry it into the car, i.e. the house. house. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, it makes perfect sense. It makes as me. much sense as anything else in this fucking show. Let's so, face it. So should we summarise the episode? We yeah. should summarise. Okay, so there's a funeral... For Burden or Braden or Broden or whatever his name was, oh, the so jail cop. Breeding. Breeding. Yeah. That's right. For breeding, the cop that they're going <laughs> to name a jail after. Yes. Because that's what you want as your legacy. Yeah. And, um, although I guess if you're a cop, that is kind of what you want. I mean, I don't know. So, or a bridge mm, or a highway. Yeah. yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, and then. World's worst eulogy. The world's worst eulogy. <sighs> are we summarizing? Are we summarizing first or we're going to go. Let's just work our way through. Let's work our way through. Yes, yeah. I like. I think that's what people do when they've had a traumatic experience. <laughs> <laughs> it's like post cop rock therapy. <laughs> exactly. Welcome to PCRT. Oh, I was trying to work that out in my head. You quickly. Yeah, well, you know. Well, you're uh, you're uh, the spiky Italian, so Italian, so English is not your first. Language. No, that's true. Actually, you know, yeah. You were trying to get all the adjectives after all the nouns. So, you know. <laughs> no, no, that's very confusing. Yeah. Very. <clears throat> Yes, sorry. Uh, oh, and the episode was called Ill-Gotten Gains. And I, I feel like definitely e. ill applies. Yes. I was really hoping that the ill was going to say that there was going to be some great oh, rap yeah. tunes. Yeah. yeah, But it was like chock full of ballads. <laughs> yes. Well, apart from that one spectacular, by which I mean shit scene with the lineup. Although I feel like oh, there's a lot yeah. going on there that's good. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, okay, but let's, let's start okay. again. We're, we're getting ahead so of ourselves. So the first things I wrote down, the first three words, sexy funeral sex? Yes. Like, that was distressing. It was yeah. like he wanted to fuck the dead guy. Yeah, yes. I think he totally, uh, yeah, you know, he went in there and, like, watched over the body, like, you mm-hmm. know, in a proper wake, and, you know, he mm-hmm. was like, you know imagining because he loved him he was mm-hmm. yeah you know, well he said it several times did. didn't he, he did. mm-hmm. yeah but it was weird because he said i love you not i loved you yes. and i was like right did he like revive mm-hmm. him with some sort of like frankenstein yes medicine god juice? that would make such a good episode oh my god because he totally like you know well we did bef- <laughs> uh, uh uh we should probably tell the listeners that before <laughs> this episode we watched a three-minute video about ducks <laughs> And 
Which is true. Which we'll link in the show notes. We'll definitely have to link to that. <laughs> but um, be forewarned. Yes. Uh, it does feature uh, a corkscrew penis. Several. Several. Lots of them. And also, it mentions how um, there, there's a story about a duck who... Um, it was an instance that was documented of duck-on-duck duck homosexual necrophilia. That was it, yes. Uh, so and like them with it all the way up to to necrophilia. Then that's where <laughs> yeah. they lose me. Yeah, like gay ducks. I'm down. We need the representation there too. Yeah. yeah. Um, what I was thinking was maybe that then coloured our viewing of that funeral scene. Yeah. Because we'd already we were thinking about necrophilia, about homosexuality, corkscrew penises, yeah. and then we might have then like read all of that into that opening. Thing. I know from personal experiences that cops do not have corkscrew penises. Well, yes, I mean that's that's true. Although if they're like ducks, they fall off, don't they? Right after, after the mating season. Mm-hmm. So you may have just come across one that hadn't started to like that's go true. all curly yeah. yet. It might not have been fully formed. Yes. Was it a nub? <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> I, the. <laughs> One of the first things I thought was literally, if this casket's a rockin', don't come a knockin', because it was really like he wanted to fuck the dead dude. Yeah. Yes. But there were there were a couple of other people in the crowd that I think also really that uh, was it the chief mm-hmm. dude that was like all yeah. teary and stuff. I'm like, I think yeah. he might have wanted to fuck. What's his face yeah. too? He was like, I knew him mm-hmm. because he was a cop, and mm-hmm. I did think biblical knowing. Mm-hmm. Oh. Mm. I don't think I don't think about that. <laughs> the thing that I didn't understand that because because he said, yeah, I knew him because he was a cop, and I was thinking, does this man only know cops? <laughs> <laughs> like everybody World he meets. World's eulogy. <laughs> exactly. That's what I wrote down. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to think every time he meets someone, he says, like, he's like, are you a cop? And he's like, no, I'm not a cop. He's like, out of here. Out of here. Conversation. Yeah. Like that. Like he must. His life must be hell. He can't go to the supermarket because it's like, well, unless he uses the um, automated self checkout. Self checkout. They thing. didn't have that shit in 1990s. No. no, they didn't. He sends his his man, whom they replaced in this oh. episode, to the grocery store for him. Oh, did they replace him? Yeah, because last time he was oh, the it Ghostbuster. was Ernie Hudson. Yeah, last time it was Ernie Hudson, and this time it's a different guy. Oh yeah. So the chief is the one with the weird. The chief is okay. the crazy man. Yes. yes. Okay. Okay, I was thinking one. of I was thinking of um, Franklin, um, Captain Franklin is who was I was thinking of. Not no, that's Captain Kendrick. Kendrick, okay, okay. Chief I mean, Kendrick, Phantom Mustache. Chief. Okay, yes, oh. I was thinking of Phantom Mustache. I thought his oh, name Chief. was Hollander. Chief Kendrick. <laughs> Chief Kendrick. Okay, yes, we're Chief just never Kendrick. going to be able to use their names. No, Ronnie Cox from RoboCop. Ronnie Cox from RoboCop is the police chief, and he knows only cops. And he knows only cops, which is probably how he got the job in RoboCop. Probably so. Because he's, I've never seen him in anything that didn't involve cops. Clearly these happen in the same world. Yes. Oh, I think that was pretty obvious from there's, the start, wasn't it? <laughs> there's no reason to say they don't. No, exactly. <laughs> He's even got a robot cowboy that he shoots. He has. Mm-hmm. I think that's confirmation. Yes. Mm-hmm. So when, okay, we need somebody to write some fan fiction. We're already already right back to the fan fiction. No, that's true. Yeah. But this is the show that just keeps on giving. It is. Even if you don't want it. Yeah. Even if <laughs> even if you're like, no, I've had plenty. I'm stuffed. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> 
this show will put a feeding tube in you, yes. and, and a ballad will be inserted through your nose. <laughs> or your corkscrew vagina. <laughs> God, fucking ducks. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Kendrick, who, like, is, like, super serious in that scene, mm-hmm. and then later... Is again r- cartoonishly wacky. Yeah. yeah, like he's so uneven. That's, like, are the same people writing him? That's what I was thinking. Because like, I'm like, was this the same dude that was doing that? And then, the, and then I saw him get all like, you know, you somebody Sam on that yeah. shit. Yeah. I was like, like holy shit, that's the same dude. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's almost like there were two writers' rooms, and one right. of those writers' rooms, and there were two writers' rooms on the show. One of them did the cop show, and one of them did the music. And there were some people who were in both. But it's almost like there's one writer room doing the cop show and one writer room just writing the, like, not just the music and that they were, like, songwriters, but, like, they're writing a slapstick comedy musical. Right. You know, like like a weird, like, like Gilbert and Sullivan thing. Yes. And so he's, like, cartoony wacky in their parts of the script and he's, like, dead serious, I'm weeping at the funeral... I kind of want to fuck the guy. Yes. In the cop show part of it. And he's two completely different people. Yeah. You know? It's just so uneven. With the writer's rooms, do you think, like, the people who wrote the songs are all, like, together because they're tone deaf? And then all the the cop show bit are all together because they've never seen a television program before? And they just didn't want the two, like, you know, coming into contact with each other in case they produce something worth watching or listening to. Because <laughs> you don't want to like run that risk. It's a control group. Yeah, exactly. your experiment. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we're going to feed wacky gas to the musical people <laughs> and we're going to have the cop show people just write a cop show. Yes. No, exactly. There's something very strange. We'll make sure they never interact with each other. It'll be like being on a jury. They'll like be isolated from society for 11 weeks. Yes. Mm. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so the, the, the eulogy, I think it's fair to say, didn't get the episode off to the best mm. start. Mm-hmm. No. Followed by the sexy sax, sexy funeral sax. Sexy funeral sax, really, like, woof. And, okay, so focusing on a person's face during an instrumental solo <laughs> is the most awkward way. Yes. <laughs> To perform an instrumental solo. Because he's just like standing there, staring dead-eyed at the crowd. Just like, and now some saxophone. Like, it just, it was awful. They could have just shown the saxophone player. Yeah. Like anything. If there's going to be sexy saxophone solos in the middle of the fucking eulogy, show the goddamn saxophone player, not the person sitting there checking their watch. Yes. You know. And I put down here lots of close-ups. There were loads of close-ups, weren't there? It was like oh. somebody's face and then somebody else's face, and they were all sad. There was oh. one guy who, uh, and I'm not going to name names, but <laughs> there was one guy, and I think it's probably safe to say he was like an extra or something, but um, if he's ever hired, he should not have a close-up because <laughs> his face was oh, already was enormous. Yes. Oh, my God. The chin. Yes. yes. Yeah. The chin. I mean, yeah, and I'm not... I'm not Fat shaming. I'm not. Oh, no, I'm no, not no, shame no. shaming. I'm not no. shaming how anybody looks or anything. But that was not a good angle for him. Because no, the next guy they showed was super skinny. Also, not somebody who should ever have a close up. Yes. Because he looked like half of his face had been beaten in an accident. <laughs> okay. and, and I mean, not in that he was bruised. I mean, like it was crumpled like a tin can. 
he looked like God, this is going to be reaching. But there's an episode of The Critic, the old cartoon, the old John Lovitz cartoon, okay, in which his like ritzy uh, adoptive parents are trying to fix up his little sister with this like guy, and his mother is really concerned with status and presentation, and she says, "Look, he has actual blue blood," because he's a, and and then like she goes on and on about how he's like distantly connected to the Habsburgs, uh-huh. but the guy's face is just like he looks like it's. Like it's paper mache that somebody has oh, just pushed in because <laughs> he's got that like quote unquote noble chin, you know, where his whole face is just like just like sucked in. On oh, side, yes, like a deflated like balloon. No draw. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And that's what this guy had. The second yeah, guy, they, they, I don't the, the, him. right after they did that, they, they zoomed right in on this dude, and it was just like Jesus, goddamn Christ. What's commonly known, I think, uh, I believe, as a, a chinless wonder. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? If you go from somebody with uh, with a very, uh, let's say, well-proportioned face, you don't want to then immediately cut to someone who looks as though they've lost their portion to the generously proportioned one. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. Although, I have to say, there was, a, there was a, a scene, which we'll get to later, in this episode which is all about social inequality so i'm wondering if mm-hmm. they were already setting that theme up yeah maybe so using like one massive face mm-hmm. that had too much face and then an- an- the next face not having enough face like if he mm-hmm. if you looked at him edge on he might disappear yes yeah they should have just done like a really nice like you know kind of domino with the Two faces kind of diagonal to each oh, other. So yeah. one and a half and a half is two. Yeah. You know, they could have like spotted each other across the funeral and fallen in love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. like together they made two regular sized faced people. Because who can't fall in love during a sexy funeral sex? I mean, I Jesus, that's what saxophone's for. Yeah. When you were saying that earlier, it kind of, I kind of was imagining like a saxophone player lying down in the coffin. Like there was no coffin. Oh my God, that would And I genius. was just like an, imagining, you know, like... You know, kind of like in Love Actually when the band comes out at the wedding, you know, it'd be like the saxophone player coming out of the I, coffin. I would, it would have been a much better number <laughs> if they had a saxophone player yeah. in a coffin. Yeah. So I've only ever been to funerals in Wales and oh, they, really? don't, they don't often feature saxophones. So that's, that's yeah. not a thing in the States. It's big on the West Coast. Oh, okay. No, it's... <laughs> <laughs> Only in LA. <laughs> yeah. It's really, it's really like a very specific kind of... Oh, okay, know, like yeah. a subset. Niche, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, right, okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's, fair. that's fair enough. Yeah. That's nice. I like it. <laughs> that's probably... That explains... Uh, oh, my God. I just thought... Because there's a, there's a... I wouldn't say it's a sexy saxophone um, solo, but there is a, a, um, a sassy saxophone uh, playing at the beginning of Cagney Lacey, isn't there? Oh, isn't that the Cagney yeah. Lacey theme music? Yeah. Like a sassy uh-huh. saxophone? Yeah. So does that mean that Cagney and Lacey are actually both dead? And <laughs> like the whole of Cagney Lacey, like the whole 11 <laughs> seasons, is like Cagney Lacey like, in, the, uh, in purgatory? Perhaps. That's a really, yeah. Wow. Maybe that explains why they swapped out the actor after the first season. Cause, yeah. 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 There was the woman who was in uh, They Live. Was it uh, oh, Meg? Was the one where you can put the glasses on and see yeah. people? I mm-hmm. actually have seen oh. that random. Oh, really? Yeah, I love them. Yeah. I've not seen I that. What? Love, yeah. You can <laughs> see like these. Well, you've got homework, Miss. I know. 
Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, I was just trying. I was just going to explain. You can put the glasses on and see like uh, monsters or aliens or robots. Oh, okay. Oh, that sounds good. He finds a pair of glasses that sort of reveals these aliens among them. Oh. It's a fantastic movie. Well worth watching and incredibly relevant to today. Very relevant. Oh, okay. Like relevant as hell. Right, okay. It's it's a movie about the... It, this is going to sound so bizarre, and, and I swear we'll get back to Cop Rock in a second. Because that's but, so much less bizarre, right, but carry on. They live... I have an argument to make that They Live is a movie predicting the Occupy movement 30 years before it happened. Oh. Okay, well, I'll add that to my list then. Yeah, for I'll real. put it on the top. Uh, that's Meg Foster. Uh, I don't know. I know her. I don't know her name. Eva Lynn from the Masters of the Universe movie, right? I don't know. I think so. I have not seen that. Oh. Oh. <laughs> no, don't. Honestly, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it was that kind of, oh, not a, oh, you haven't seen it. It was a, oh, don't waste your time. Yeah. She's, okay. She plays Hester Prynne, though, in a really great version of The Scarlet Letter from oh. around the time period. Primo. Primo. Really and loved her. It was Loretta uh, Swit, right? In the movie, the TV movie, Cagney Lacey. It's Loretta Swit. Hot Lips. Oh, wow. Didn't and then they swapped her out for Meg Foster in the first season of um, Cagney Lacey, and then they swapped her out for Sharon Glass. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Who knew? I know. Like, so uh, much trivia. I know. Well, see, this is what I did when I was growing up in Wales. Yeah. I wasn't right. being invited to all the sexy saxophone funerals. You were going to saxophone... make my own amusement. You were going to saxless funerals <laughs> and, and watching Cagney Lacey. I know. Okay. All right. We better um, move on. So we got to move on. So uh, another thing I wrote down was again, so much fucking New York. <laughs> yes. Like there's so many New York accents in this. This is trying so hard to be a New York cop show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, I mean, I'm guessing it was a budgetary thing that they set it in LA because they right, because would, that's would where they were going to be filming. Yeah. So when they needed to take cops out and, you know, and it's going to be cheaper to go drive around in LA where everybody already is than to relocate everything in New York is Mm -hmm. my guess yeah Mm -hmm. yeah but no it's a very very New Mm York-y feel to it as well Mm -hmm. probably because everybody is from New York right so that was yeah Um, I mean on the scale of how fucking weird the show is though I kind of think I mean I think that fits in quite nicely I kind Mm -hmm. of like that aspect of it because it is like we're watching something from a parallel universe it really is so, and it kind of works, I think. Okay, that's actually something good about this, then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that's something I can like and enjoy in this episode. <laughs> I'll tell you what I also like and enjoy. The big, blocky font on the titles. <laughs> which kind of, like... You know, they're enormous, aren't they? It's like they, they fill the entire screen, and they've actually, like... They cast a shadow that that big. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah. Like, they could see them in space. Yes, exactly. <laughs> They're like the Hadrian's Wall (laughs) of opening titles. Yeah. Uh, It's like they were done on a Mac, like on a Mac LC3 in like somebody's basement. Yes. Uh, They're shocking. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I feel like every, at the beginning of every episode, I'm kind of assaulted by them. (laughs) 
Because they and they have that they do they try to do that three D effect right, which is why they they got lots of black behind them, yeah. so it's meant to be zooming out at you. Yeah, yeah. Can you imagine watching that and being illiterate and not being able to make sense of it? It's oh my just god! Like terrifying. Just it like, like <laughs> zoom. Here comes an image that means nothing. Zoom. Here comes another image. It's bigger than the one before it. Also, now the world's longest opening song. Yes. Yes. The theme song takes five goddamn hours. It actually felt longer this week than it was last it week. Did. And also different shots. Yeah, I yeah. felt like there were different, different music. Like it, it did seem like more. It seemed like more musicians this week to me than yes. it was last week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think it was any more, but it just seemed like more. Or maybe because I was just thinking something other than what the fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually trying to like observe and you know look at the color and the hair and the the glasses I want and the hair. yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. I mean, and and it was interesting because spiky Italian cop didn't seem to come in in the middle of this one and drop mm-hmm. his gym bag down. Yeah, but mm-hmm. uh, he's still at the gym. Right, still at the gym. Oh, hello, arms. I'm sorry, mm. but you know, uh, and uh, but <laughs> sure <of> not. <laughs> <laughs> he's not actually making them bigger. He's just contracting. <laughs> Tyrannosaurus cop. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> I feel as though you're being very unfair to that actor. I'm we sorry. We spent five minutes making fun of faces. <laughs> true, true. But um, I actually wrote "Hello Arms" twice. Oh, uh, in the, yeah. Um, I mean, that's a, just a thing that I have, though. Um, yeah, and so he didn't come in and drop his gym bag, but uh, Chief Ronnie Cox came yeah. in. And uh, seemed to drop like I don't know what it was. I didn't know whether he'd been shopping. He looked like he'd been shopping, mm-hmm. and I really wanted to know what was in that bag. It was he had his big NPR tote bag. Yes, yeah. yes. I was kind of thinking, oh, library, probably. <laughs> exactly. Probably <laughs> reading. Like a big reader. Yeah. Well, uh, but only about cops. Only about cops. So he probably just had like an entire book bag full of biographies of cops. <laughs> I'm thinking. <laughs> Enter the Wild West, maybe. Yes. Oh, maybe definitely. maybe not just cops in the Wild West, but like you know, yeah, just what it was like one. to be in the Wild West, and yes, you know, yeah, and to shoot someone with a handlebar mustache. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So maybe Long he had that book on Leatherman, Chuck, what not Leatherman. Uh, That's no, I'm getting very niche now. I've aren't really I? been derailed by the phrase Leatherman. So. <laughs> <laughs> um. We should probably move on. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but the mayor's pink suit. Oh, no. And her blue eyeshadow. Oh, my God. For real. It was so smooth and so blue. <laughs> it was like two was, lakes and a face. Yeah. I was thinking blue was out by 90, but I guess I was no. wrong. Mm. Like, I remember it in the 80s. Like, I don't remember oh, yeah. it early. Being, oh, I mean, I guess, you know, I was 10 years behind everything where I was <laughs> in my isolated area. Um, but I didn't wear blue after... Hmm. Labor Day. Yeah. Is that a thing? <laughs> or blue eyeshadow. <laughs> or maybe it was because I was like eight. You know? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. Ten. So were you not wearing like one, like a big pink woolly suit either? No pink woolly suits. And I, I mean, my, I may totally be lying. I may have rocked the blue for a while, but mm. I was really fascinated with the blue. But the suit was pretty fantastic. The suit was... I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. I, like, I legitimately loved the yeah. suit. I was like, I would wear that coat right now. <laughs> Did you have like a big brooch on it as well, though? 
Or would you have had mm-hmm. one? No, I, I don't think I would wear a brooch. No. And probably not even now. Like, I'm just moving into scarves, so I feel like I'm kind of behind on the... Like, I have to, you know, progress into the, the brooch age, <laughs> yes. you know? It's like, maybe when I hit 70, I'll maybe move into that. I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm gonna... not a brooch kind of bitch, you know? <laughs> <laughs> a brooch bitch. I'm not a brooch bitch. <laughs> I just feel as though you're doing Barbara Bossom a bit of a disservice there. No. I don't think she was anywhere near 70. Although maybe a character was. Because let's face it, we don't fucking know what a character actually looks like. Because right no. now, she's swamped in a big fat suit with a big prosthetic nose. And I don't remember and that that, that yeah. thing on her face from she's last got, week. She's got the fake mole. She has. They've also, like, they've added like stuff to her face to like puff it up and make it look really wrinkly. Yeah. And I think they are trying to age her. Right, yes. There are storyline reasons why that will become apparent, but I'm, that's all episode four. That's oh, all I can say. Okay. So she got like some rapid age disease or something. Because, <laughs> or maybe they just don't take stills to remember how to do the makeup from one week to another. No, that's that's the storyline from the spinoff, Doc Rock. <laughs> I got a mole on my chin. <laughs> I ain't never seen it again. <laughs> Long ballads about yeah. oh, God. having your skin checked. Well, this this show is practically Doc Rock anyway, what with that man's enlarged prostate. Well, there's prostatitis and yes. there's um, a lot of people dying. Yeah, that, that, I mean, that's a, quite a, a, a serious medical mm-hmm. issue. <laughs> yeah. Getting shot tends to be a medical problem. There was the... Was she a, the maid... Who was uh-huh. beaten right. up? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And had a, like a she had like a gauze thing on her mm-hmm. temple. Yeah, and they got to wheel her out on a stretcher and everything yes. like that. So they were paramedics. Yes, mm-hmm. very medical. Yeah, I, I did write this down about that house. So that's part of the storyline. There's a house. There are rich people in it. The, the place gets robbed of its art. The end. Yes. Um, burglary bedroom looks like a whorehouse, and it makes me want to be a whore. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I was like, oh my god, this is the trashiest boudoir in France. And, but it's not like France, it's like like a neighborhood, it's like a town in Kansas that has like a block that people call Little France. And, and, and somebody in that neighborhood has like done up their house like a French whorehouse because they think that's classy. And I'm like, I'm in, I'm sold. Yes. Let me buy that. Yeah. That house's bedroom was amazing. The only thing missing was Mother Mucker. Uh, yeah. Oh my God. Yes. 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 Tells the city, whorehouse. Yeah. Much. Portrayed by such a wonderful actor. Oh, fuck you, Dolly. <laughs> <laughs> She's so goddamn good. Oh, oh okay. Um, but before we leave um, the uh, mayor's office, however, I did want to point out that she utters the immortal line: "The man is a loose cannon." <laughs> and I thought, oh, I'm so glad we we only had to wait until episode two to hear that line. <laughs> you know? So I'm hoping before it comes to an end, somebody will refer to him as a maverick. You know? Uh, they can refer to him any any way they want, really, because what he is, is a murdering bastard. Well, yeah. Who apparently equates women to... Um, being a horse and putting a saddle on them and riding them all day and you can put a bullet between its head and then you put it... I was like, what the (laughs) fuck? 
Yeah, that's the chief, and he is a goddamn maniac. Yeah, yeah. He is a misogynistic asshole. Yeah. Is that Chief Ronnie Cox? Yes. Right. Because he's the one who said to his new assistant, who is not the dude from Ghostbusters. Yes. Uh, I remember when women were like horses and you could saddle them up and they wouldn't was, complain. Were you talking about a different dude? I thought no, that no, 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 that's about the chief. Okay. Oh, no, no, I was so. I was, the, the, the guy who's a loose cannon is was not the, the chief. No, it's spiky Italian. Right. Uh, but, yeah. but it was okay. from the same scene. It's from the same scene. Okay, yeah. okay. Yeah. I was. So, oh, yeah. Totally legit. And then the chief shoots a cardboard cutout that he keeps around of the mayor that he keeps around for shooting. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's not healthy. No, mm-hmm. I mean I was thinking I didn't like that brooch, brooch, brooch either. But I wouldn't like then order a big cardboard cutout right. of the mayor so I could shoot it off her. Like so, how did he get that done? Does he go down to the Kinkos or whatever <laughs> they had in 1990? <laughs> Maybe it was Kinko's, mm-hmm. and say, "I here's a picture of the mayor. I would like a life size cutout of the mayor in cardboard. I would actually like 150 of them. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> How much does that cost?" Yeah, but see, the weird thing was that it looked very like there was a lot of detail on that cardboard cutout. Oh yeah. So I'm kind of thinking, like a small photo probably wouldn't cut it. Mm-mm. So I reckon he probably drugged her, then dragged <laughs> her to like the copy shop himself. <laughs> And then got her to lay down on like a massive flatbed scanner and then <laughs> scanned her in her entirety. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, totally. So, I mean, they kind of just have you just weekend and Bernie's it in, you know. Yes, you exactly. Help her to help you. The two of you, know, like one arm over each shoulder. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's really drunk. She dared us to photocopy her in one of her best business suits. <laughs> <laughs> Wearing a really dignified expression. Just let this happen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. I mean, and, and back in 1990, if somebody was going to be able to lay their hands on some Rohypnol, it would be Chief Ronnie Cox. Well, obviously. Because everybody he knows is a cop. Right. So, yeah. I think, yeah, I think he, he, he has a thing for dots per inch... And it just got way out of hand. <laughs> it's no fun shooting it if it doesn't actually look like her. Exactly. <laughs> if it's just a bit blurry. Yeah. Yeah. So, wow. that was strange. This is a guy who has issues. Mm. Yeah. Super has issues. I have worked at multiple places where we had, where I had colleagues who got fired for threatening violence against other Employees uh, and and managers and, and things like that. Damn. And uh, he really like he rings a lot of those bells. Like mm. he really kind of I'm a, a lot of his behaviors. I'm like, oh yeah, that's like the guy who threatened to shoot my boss. Oh, that's like the guy who threatened to shoot my other boss at that other job. Jesus, oh my God. Yeah, yeah, a lot of like just total imbalance, craziness, and obsession with guns. You know that kind of stuff. This whole, like, it's the Wild West and I'm a gunslinger kind of thing. Yeah. But you don't actually work in the Wild West, do you? I don't actually work in the Wild West, which is why it's problematic. Yes, okay. If I did work in the Wild West, then, you know, came with a job. Yes, Yes, exactly. I knew what I was getting into. Yeah. In fact, you didn't. Instead, I work in the IT department. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that can be cut throat. uh, Yes, it apparently can. Mm -hmm. Anyway... Oh, um, it's funny. Oh, in the burglar house also, they had fireplaces. 
fireplaces in LA. Yeah. And, and fires going on them in LA. I'm just going to note that again. It's obviously an alternate LA. It is. Farther north. And last week they were all fucking sweating like bastards, weren't they? Well, I think it was also to kind of add to the sultriness of the song where the partners were singing kind of that forbidden song and dance about, I think, wanting one another. And I think you'll find the song was possibly called This Is What The Good Life Looks Like. <laughs> or Poor Man's Who Wants To Be A Millionaire. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, I think Cole Porter's reputation is... Pretty safe. <laughs> uh, I do believe so. Yes. Sorry, I interrupted you. You were about to say something. No, actually, I was going to say, we have been noting... It probably speaks to the quality of this particular episode um, that we've been noting a lot about fashion, haven't we? That's true. Uh, and, uh, and something that made a big impression on me uh, was uh, the burgled woman's earrings... Mm. Oh wow! I didn't even notice. Oh. Well, did she have the long ones? Because I know that the cop was wearing several different earrings throughout the. No, they, they scene. were kind of like um, crystal. Yeah, they were crystal. They were almost like they were, they were enormous. Yeah, they were they were like a, almost like a prop from Babylon Five. <laughs> well, I was going to say, is it possible <laughs> she's Bajoran? Uh, no, because they weren't. They weren't dangling. They were. They were just oh, okay. enormous. They were yeah. big clumps. Oh. So, um, there were uh, lots of earrings in that scene. There were lots of earrings in that scene, but the burgled woman's earrings were just, just huge. And, um, I, I was kind of, uh, I was just taken aback by them. So, uh, again, <laughs> a bit of a, a, a niche reference, but when, um, Delenn transforms in Babylon 5 and she's oh, yeah. in that big cocoon thing. The chrysalis. Yeah, the chrysalis. It looked like that woman had saved like that chrysalis. <laughs> halved it. Put a couple of hoops on the top and stuck them in her ears. Yeah. They were just amazing. I've never, I've never seen Babylon 5 but I'm, I'm guessing is maybe from Machu Picchu and that's why she asked if they had ever been there because she wanted to know if they knew the oh. where her earrings oh, came from. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, probably. So, yeah. So have you ever been to Machu Picchu? So yeah. just, like, that's the most random question. No, why did she ask like, that? I think she was like, you know, like making people feel like they were small and poor and then that's what brought oh. on the, you know, yeah. the jealousness yeah. of this, this couple's oh, okay. apartment. That makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah. yeah. I, I, now I'm picturing her climbing Machu Picchu. She sees some rocks on the ground and she's like, fuck these people, they're dead. I'm going to take some of their goddamn rocks and make some earrings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> she's... Just an asshole. Yeah. yeah. She kind of reminded me, that, well, the, the husband and wife kind of reminded me of the couple in Christmas Vacation, where yes. they were, like, arguing, and she was always like, well, if you're not going to do this, then I'm going to do this. And, like, I was just, like, wanted to smack them both, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it, it very much reminded me of that. They were very, very unconvincing as a married couple, weren't they? Yeah. yeah. They were, well, they were, well, they were kind of unconvincing as people. <laughs> Yes. Really? I'm, I'm, yeah. I might need to see a medical report to believe they were humans. <laughs> yes. They, like, their whole, like, well, you know, we're just really concerned about our things. We really love our things. I was like, okay, 1990, we get it. The 80s are over and they sucked. Yes. You know? <laughs> yeah. And, like, I agree. Yes, materialism is shitty. Yes. But, like, God, they were, it was like they were out of a completely different movie or show mm-hmm. from, like, mm-hmm. six years before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> As something that would have been a throwaway line then. Yeah. Now we have to watch them for five minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, sort of like uh, 
they were they were basically there just so that we could have that this is what the good life looks like song well i say song um <laughs> uh which was uh which was really bizarre it was mm-hmm. one of those total what the fuck moments right mm-hmm. it's pretty much it was every single song is a what the fuck moment yeah but mm. that one just seemed uh how, how could you describe it they were they were investigating this burglary the woman whose house it is goes off to answer the phone or something uh, and then the two investigating cops dress up in their in this rich couple's clothes and sing a song about how nice it would be to have nice things and to have sex in their bed. Yeah, I know. I was getting ready to say so, that. Uh, yeah. right, oh, yeah. sorry. Yeah, no, that was totally yeah. Yeah, but it's also kind of interesting because it's you know we know that there's something going on with that the cops and the yes. partnership too. So I think mm-hmm. it kind of brings their storyline together mm-hmm. you know, I, I want what I want and like you can tell that mm-hmm. yes. there's something going on yeah. Oh, yeah. there as well yeah. Yeah. brewing you know with Mr. Prostate in the background mm-hmm. not sure because now she's got a reason to dump him because he lied and that's later on in the story but mm-hmm. yeah. yeah she wants Mr. Irock yes he, mm-hmm. you know yeah. Also, she had really thick eye makeup, and I wrote down daughter wife's eye makeup was put on with a paint sprayer. <laughs> <laughs> like, she looks like she's drowning in it. Yeah. yeah. I really kind of wanted the song to end with kind of a record scratch moment where, like, the wife comes back in. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the cops, like, dressed <laughs> halfway. Like, 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 he's wearing the bomber jacket and the robe and the cravat, yeah. and she's, like, wearing the shawl and the dress. <laughs> or whatever, like, like, bits and pieces from each of their mini costume changes over the course of the song. And they're both just like, look. oh shit. Yes. But no such luck. No, it would have been so much better. Yes. Why am I not writing this show 27 know. years ago? I know. Huh. It's well, almost like I was a child and have never worked in the entertainment industry. <laughs> I don't know. I wouldn't worry about that last bit because I don't think a lot of these people had either. <laughs> Finally, at least didn't communicate well, you know. Like, yes, you know, they were oh probably one was one group was in LA and one group was in New York, mm-hmm. and you know they were like, all right, the New York cop show writers, yeah. you know, yeah. we're not fax machining the the information <laughs> yeah. or carrier pigeoning the information to LA in time. So, oh my god, total like you know two different feels yeah. for music and yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that was very strange. Yeah. And then, uh, uh, sorry, no, go ahead. I was going to say I've got nothing then. Until the next song. Well, okay, but see, like, immediately from that, they cut to the scene with the lineup with the maid. Right, so that's why. Okay. And uh, the maid is doing, a, they've done a lineup of of generic East L.A. Hispanic guys. Yes. And they're going to, uh, she's supposed to pick out the one that, that they suspect of having been involved in the burglary. Yes. And, okay, I really liked that song. The song is terrible, but... Mm-hmm. It is 1990, and there is an actual song about racial profiling by the police. Yep. Yes. That is an, a good message, delivered very poorly, but, <laughs> um, but like, I mean, they've got a point. They're yeah. like, oh, yeah, well, here we are in L.A., and we're the brown people, and we're from someplace else, so you think we're bad. So anytime you're looking for somebody to have burgled a house, you come around up a bunch of us and right. accuse us until somebody confesses. Like, that's a powerful song. Yeah. Yes. 
Yeah. They I don't like how it was like they were talking about what they were doing when they right. were suspected yeah. of mm-hmm. doing this. Yeah. yeah. It was like just innocuous stuff. Or, you know, yeah, we were just hanging out with my girlfriend. Yeah. yeah. I was watching television. Yeah. Like, the problem with that was, didn't it turn out that one of them had done it? Well, yes. <laughs> so it was kind of like, and I didn't know if perhaps she'd already said, had she already said that they were Hispanic? Because uh, no. if she okay, I was like, if she'd already said that, and then you know they gathered up a, a group of Hispanic guys, and they were kind of saying like, well, it was racial profiling. She's like, well, she said it was a Hispanic guy, so that's why we've got Hispanic people in. We don't want to be like too PC, and then trying to have like you know like a white person and like a black person mm-hmm. or whatever. <laughs> if she's already said yeah. they were Hispanic, you know, and it's just kind of like, no, no, we have to do this in the interest of fairness. But she hadn't already specified it, then that's fine. Apart from the fact that it turns out that one of them had actually done it. Yeah. Yeah. But so I think that at some point they say something about how like they'd gotten a fingerprint or something. I think they must have because uh, okay. why else would they know to pick up this one dude in LA and yes. suspect him of this crime and bring him in for the lineup? Yeah. Could you guys ever tell which one it was that they were talking about? No. And I was really kind of hoping that being in LA, they could have gotten dudes who could have spoken better Spanish. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I was like, that's Mm. pretty terrible. (laughs) It's like New York Spanish, like, you know, New York Mm -hmm. white (laughs) dude trying to speak Spanish. (laughs) I kind of wonder, though, if they were trying to speak Spanish for white people. So that, like, the, the folks at home would be like, that's Spanish. Yeah. <laughs> so. That's possible. Yeah. Or maybe just some guys that could sing. That would also help, maybe. There was a lot of, like, talking yeah. of the lines, wasn't there? Which I kind of get. Dancers, because, like, they were dancers. So. They were dancers. And they were good at the dancing part. They were With good at the dancing part. sexy 90s vests on. Oh, and the yeah. Tan arms, love that. Mm, their yeah. copper tone mm-hmm. skin. Hells, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. There was some... Um, <laughs> I noticed this episode not, not as much sweating... Um, by uh, the regular cast, because I think the, mm-hmm. the all the sweating budget had been allocated to yes. these guest stars. Totally. Because they did a lot of sweating. Yeah. They it were was, glistening, yeah. weren't they? It's like they ran them through, like, the produce aisle when the mister's going. <laughs> you know, when you're, like, you're standing in the grocery store and you hear the thunder noise. <laughs> yeah. Which, by the way, you're not supposed to be around those when those go off, because apparently they can be bacteria in the water, just FYI, PSA. Oh, oh okay. Yeah, so you don't want to breathe that bacteria in, because I think they recycle Damn. the water somehow. I don't know if it goes on the produce and then... But I remember reading somewhere we were oh. supposed to be around breathing that misty air. So much for my grocery song. I know. I, know. <laughs> I always go rushing towards it when I, know, I, right? I, I, I like strip off. I, I just. I'm just like. What was that Toto song? You know, the fields of Africa. Oh, like the rains in Africa. Yeah. <laughs> I'm more like uh, Black Pearl. Uh, uh, take me dancing naked in the rain. <laughs> I don't know that. Yeah, one. I, I, I do that one. Yeah. Shove the eggplants out of the way. Exactly. Climb in. Yeah. Well, no. If somebody wants to throw an eggplant my way, I'm, I never like to say no. But are we talking the standard or the, the Japanese? Are we talking, are we talking about emoji eggplants? Exactly. Um, I will say on the dancer guys. Uh-huh. The fake scars that a bunch of them are wearing are like straight out of the clearance bin at Halloween. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, like they are awful. Yeah. The makeup effect was awful. Yeah. yeah. It was very interesting that scene though, because it was so of its time, mm-hmm. right? I mean, I guess a lot of this is, but that one especially. And I was kind of thinking, new scrotes on the block. 
you know? <laughs> I called it menudo rap, but it's on the block is even better. Oh my god. Because uh, uh, they did have that feel, didn't they? Oh yeah. Yeah, like, like, a, like, a, like a bad boy boy band. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. And, I mean, they were super hot. I'd watch them dance around with it on mute, no problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I yeah. agree. They mm-hmm. were just a bit too slippery <laughs> for my tastes. <laughs> too much produce aisle. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't mind being slippery in the veg produce aisle. I don't like to see other people doing it. <laughs> you know? It's kind of my thing. Well, me and Black Pearl. <laughs> but nobody's seen her for about 20 years. So Okay. Mm. Well... She's probably down with the produce aisle. I think she's called Black Pearl. She's probably doing 20 years for having danced naked in the produce aisle. <laughs> probably. <laughs> you get more for that than lying as a cop. She's probably, got, she's probably dead from a bacterial infection. <laughs> <laughs> Breathing in too much storm. <laughs> exactly. That'll learn her. Okay, so there's the scene with the questioning of the maid. Yes. Because like, daughter wife recognizes that the maid knows one of the guys and is in love with him. Yes. Because, of course, women can inherently see love in the eyes of other women. Yeah. Because that's your power. That's the superpower. That's, that's yeah. your superpower. Yeah, I don't think I have that superpower. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess you're not really a woman. I guess not. Mm. I don't know what a man's superpower is supposed to be, but I was really, I really chuckled over that whole, like, all the dudes are like, meh. And yeah. she's like, I know what love looks like in her eyes. You know? Yeah, I'm just like, oh, for fuck's sake. Well, she... well, it did pan to her like three times, like to clue us in. Right. Yeah. yeah, and I was so. like, couldn't she have just been a good detective? Right. Yeah. And, I mean, and, and it, she kind of is. I mean, it kind of is the deal where she's like, well, she looked at him one way when Russo was looking at him, and she looked at him a different way when he wasn't. You know. Mm-hmm. And um, but I was like, also, eh, I kind of felt like there was some gender stereotyping there. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, mm-hmm. couldn't she just be good at her job as a cop? And or be excited because there's a bunch of dudes that are dancing in front of her, like during yeah, the lineup. I mean, like maybe that would get me excited. I would yeah. look different. Have you not noticed her husband? I really don't think they're her type. <laughs> you know? True. No, I was talking about the maid. Oh, the maid. Yeah, the yeah. maid, like, the maid might have gotten excited. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, mm-hmm. 620 Latinos dancing in front of her in this lineup. I mean, that's true. That would be enough to, you know. Yeah. Personal concert by New Scrooge on the block. <laughs> uh, right. <laughs> but I, I was thinking maybe, and this might be like, you know, I might be clutching at straws here. But I was thinking how the only cop to figure out that... I think she was called Maria, the maid. Of course she's called Maria. Because, like, what else would she be called in right, a show this, like this, right? Yeah, right. Uh, the, the only cop to figure out that Maria was in love with one of those guys was uh, uh, the woman, because she's the only one with fallopian tubes. And fallopian tubes, I f- believe... Um, are shaped a bit like a divining rod. <laughs> <laughs> you can just so, hold on to the ovaries. <laughs> exactly. How like those those divining rods work? And mm-hmm. she was like, "Oh, this," and she, and she sensed love mm. from her fallopian tubes. Right. Naturally. <laughs> yes. Supernaturally, even. Supernaturally, yeah. Mm-hmm. I always thought it was my cervix that was just drawing me towards men. It's actually my fallopian tubes divining for the. the, the you know. Yeah. I, I should yeah. just start tuned right or something. Yeah. Yes. Yes, At this point, uh, uh, dear listeners, 
I, I feel I should point out that I'm neither a doctor nor a heterosexual and therefore know nothing of what I'm talking about. I did see a diagram once. I watched a video about corkscrew penises and feel that I'm now an expert. <laughs> yes. I have fallopian tubes and I would say that my cervix definitely defines more things than my... Yeah, uh, I, it okay. just like draws me across parking lots even, <laughs> especially after, like I sneak outdoors like kitty cats, you know, when I see a, you know, <laughs> guy walk by and I'm like, Brr! you know, so it's not the fallopian tube for me at least. It's just dragged along cervix, behind it, yeah. basically. Yeah, yeah, it's like, it's, you know. So you're attracted, like, like, like a magnet. Yeah. Yeah, okay. wow. Yeah. Could that not be your vajazzle? Maybe could that, could that that's my superpower. That's your superpower. Okay. okay. I don't know if you got yeah, like telling a, when other women are in love with man men during a lineup. No. But no. Yeah. Okay. But so yeah. that's your X Men power. Yeah. Like if you were a mutant. Yeah. A Marvel mm-hmm. mutant. I would just magnetize into my my <laughs> wow area. Gosh. Yeah. That's quite a spin on Magneto. <laughs> I mean, you know. <sighs> well, I do joke that I have Magdar. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, so actually, I was going to say ahead. before we got to that, um, I, just, I just took copious notes in this episode, <laughs> didn't I? Yeah. Um, I, I didn't know how to feel about the scene because there's another subplot um, where Gaines, Officer Gaines, from the the title of the episode, Ill-gotten Gaines, mm-hmm. ends up uh, being partnered with Officer Overacting. Yeah. Which turns out is is called uh, Frank or Franklin, and not Fag that I thought he was called. <laughs> it because... was really funny to me when you were like, "Did he just call him Fag?" Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, "No." It sounded like he said Fag. It did. I think he said Frank. He did. So, uh, so they're paired, aren't they? And much or hilarity they... ensues because their 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 temperaments are very different. Mm-hmm. Uh, fag and. Um, Gaines, Frank, Frank, and Gaines, <laughs> and um, I didn't know how to feel about the fact that Gaines was really trying to get Frank to like him, mm-hmm. and I it's, it was sweet. Uh, well, yes, but the the way to do that, it seems, was just to talk about a lot of black singers. That was really awkward, and I found that quite awkward. And, like, quizzing him and, like, basically not getting personal cues from Officer Overacting that he wasn't, Mm -hmm. like, into that Mm -hmm. discussion that just kept going on and on and on and on and on. Yes. Because he was kind of, like, saying, like, oh, uh," because he was singing Marvin Gaye, and then he was Mm -hmm. uh, saying, oh, you know, I love, like, Marvin Gaye. Oh, and who do you think did, uh, I heard it through Grant. Grapevine Better, Marvin Gaye, or Gladys Knight and the Pips. Love all that Motown stuff. I love Stevie Wonder. And it was kind of almost like, oh, you're black, you like this. You know? And I was like, oh, was this okay? Was this acceptable in 1990? (laughs) I I feel like that cop's murder face, when he just looks at him and is like, I would murder you in your sleep right now. I'm like, that is well earned. Yes, absolutely. That is so awkward and so weird and reductive and it's yeah. just like 
I love Diana Ross. Now you have to like me. Exactly. Like, I love Motown. Now I'm practically black. Like, it was really weird. When when the officer was like, yeah, all he wants to do is get milkshakes. Now I wonder if all he ordered was chocolate milkshakes, you know? (laughs) And if he's all like, do you want a chocolate milkshake? And he's like, elbow, er, 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 you know? Right. And then like in the scene where they, where he was trying to jimmy that dude's car up and then turn the lights off. And then he was all like making cool with that dude. Like, hey, we're good. We're, we're friends now. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, he was like, I was so cool. Yes. And it was just like he was trying to prove something to, yeah. you know, and the black guys that mm-hmm. he was, you know, you know. He gets to check off a box today. Right. Yes. Right. Yeah. Um, really awkward. Very yeah. awkward. Yeah. I, I feel like the character is really sweet. I like the character a lot. He's one of my favorite characters in the show. Right. But boy, was that not good. No. <laughs> Did you like his sparkly bracelet, though? I didn't even Again, notice. with the jewellery. I don't know oh, what's yeah. happened to me. I didn't notice. I'm going full-on jewellery mode I tonight. I totally did not notice. Um, which is, you know, it's a bit weird, because uh, well, they can't see, he can't see, she can't see, it can't see, listener can't <laughs> see, that uh, right now I am dripping in jewellery. <laughs> <laughs> You're like... You're like fucking, uh, uh, shit, what's the name of the character? Mr. You know? T. Uncle Scrooge. Scrooge <laughs> McDuck. Oh, right. You know? <laughs> I think Mr. T is also. Mr. T dripping. also. Yeah. yeah. You get your Babylon 5 earrings on. <laughs> I got my Babylon yeah. 5 earrings on. I mean, I hope they can hear us over over the sound of all this jangling jewelry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a bit worried. Tinkle, tinkle. Tinkle, tinkle, what sound do diamonds make? Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> as you literally use them to cut your way out of watching this episode. Right. Yes. <laughs> um, and sorry, and then we got to the scene where uh, Spiky Italian, Officer Spiky right. Italian, um, was really creepy Ooh. with that maid. Oh, Ooh, so man. not okay. What was that about? And it was okay. almost like he had his partner in there just to kind of like push him further. Yes. And to see what he would like if he would yeah. stop it at some point because yeah. he already know that he did. He already knew that he didn't stop it during the murder of what's his face. And so, yes. like, he was just like, you know, let me push him and just see because, like, he's almost like we're in this together, but I'm taking him down in this shithole because. Yeah. Um, super duper creepy and I'm going to make you watch it and then but when he actually did finally speak up was like this is too much right yeah and he was like stop 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 and yeah he was like oh he's like you know I don't want to you know yeah push it too far and we're like well how the fuck far would you take it I know if he wasn't there yeah. you know he's trust me he's got plenty where that came from oh uh, the, the spiky Italian yeah oh god he totally just ugh I know I mean he was super duper creep in this episode Arms, mm-hmm. uh, the rest of it, because he was feeling her hair, yeah. and he was asking her what shampoo she used. Oh, it's so fucking creepy! Yeah. And she's sitting there bandaged in police custody. Yeah, she knows she's in trouble. They're already threatening her with, "We know you were a part of it," and blah blah blah. Threatening mm-hmm. her with, you know, woman on woman sex in yeah. the jail. La lesbiana. Yeah, yeah. as he so, called it. He's yeah. like, "Do you want to go to prison and be forced to have sex with women? Because that's what's going to happen to you in prison." Yeah, la migra. Yeah, and what I wrote down was, I've heard of the gay panic defense, 
but I've never seen the gay panic offense. Like I've never so seen. I've, you know, I've heard of people being like, "Well, he was gay and he was going to come on to me, so I had to be a huge asshole and kill them." Um, and uh, I've never seen somebody run at somebody saying, "They're going to be gays and they're going to get you," <laughs> so I'm going to do it first. Like yeah. it's going to be so bad. Oh, and especially like lesbian gays as well. Sort of forcing her to have sex with them. It's like, it was just, so weird. It was. It was very strange. It was not a good scene. Yeah, and yeah, La Lesbiana. That made me laugh. I was <laughs> yeah. trying to think. It was like the the sequ- the the far less successful sequel to La Bamba. You know? <laughs> it was the porn parody. Of it La was La the La porn parody. <laughs> right. yeah. What was the first one? Because that was the second one, and then the La Migra was the third. What was the first oh. one? There were three. He's like, you've got three options. And I don't remember what the first one was. And of course I... Oh, we bring in your boyfriend and we tell him a bunch of stuff that makes him really angry. That gotcha. you've been talking to us. And, gotcha. And then he does terrible things to you. Yeah. Yeah. So we basically gave her what the option of Be- getting beaten, beaten up by, by her boyfriend. Getting raped by lesbians in prison. Because apparently that's what happens. That's what... Yeah, that's what happens. And uh, and then or what or just la migra, the immigration. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or or talk. Or talk. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah, he's a right shit, isn't he? That Italian. He is. And that's a scene that, like, okay, depending on the kind of story you're trying to tell, and if the point of the story is what an asshole he is, then it's a very effective scene. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In that regard, if the point of the story is he doesn't play by the rules and that makes him a hero, then it's really fucked up, and you're not supposed to like that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but either way, it's a scene out of a completely different kind of cop show mm-hmm. yeah. from the rest of cop rock. <laughs> right. Like, totally different kind of cop show. Like, it would yeah. be Millennium 2 in a row if, like, she was, you know, a 15-year-old cleaning maid, right. you know. Yeah. yeah. Like, it was just very, the rapey, like, pedophile vibe. Yeah. Yeah. It no, was... I didn't like that. I mean, yeah. admittedly, we know he's a loose cannon. We because we've both been told that, but we weren't told that all he, uh, all that loose cannon fires is dicks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that's what he was doing. Mm-hmm. A- another way we know it's fiction, because one of the ways we know it's fiction is because somebody responded to a car alarm in LA during the, <laughs> during the scene during the scene with James. Or anywhere, or anywhere. Like, the car alarm, literally, the car alarm went off in the parking lot of a place I was this morning. And there were like four cars in the parking lot, and like nobody turns a just whatever. Once again, I think that was something that we've gotten immune to since 1990. I feel uh. like when car alarms first came out, people were like, "Something bad's happening right now." It was kind of like actually people mm. responded to it. Where nowadays, uh. I don't think we do. Okay, we're just like blank. Maybe. Yeah, because yeah. I remember like the first couple of times people were like, "Oh, what's going on? You know, <laughs> who's trying to steal that car? You know." Really, somebody just bumped into it, or the yeah. wind, you know. Protect the tape deck. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. But no, you're pro- you're quite right. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah, we need we need to be wary of our is it a hysterosity, mm. and not taking into account the context of the show. True, true. Yeah. But another way we know it's fiction is a the cop only like him only had nine. Uh, excessive force, you know, charges <laughs> in five years, and five of them resulted in lawsuits, 
and the mayor gives a shit, mm-hmm. like, now you know it's fiction. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking A. It's the LAPD. Like, every, they're... Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I think... Didn't you mention the Rodney King I mean, this is very thing. contemporary with yeah. the Rodney King thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How many of those cops had anything happen to them? Well, exactly. You know. Um, and then... After the Labamba scene, is that when we had the um, power ballad? <laughs> it was like a uh, like a response to last week's power ballad in the uh, father, husband, daughter, wife household. Yes, absolutely. Um, so he had his song last week, um, where he talked about his enlarged prostate and how he was lucky to have her. <laughs> Um, and, <laughs> I'm not laughing at the enlarged prostate. And then this is the song synopsis. <laughs> I was laughing at the description of it. And then this week we had her response, right? Because um, she just found out that he lied mm-hmm. about that guy getting shot yeah. last week. He's covering up a murder by a cop. Yes. And so he went back downstairs, didn't he? He just announces, I'm going to go do some reading. Yeah. Assumedly, he's down there singing another song. Yes. About his reading. Yes. Into a prostate. Into a prostate. I don't quite understand why he wasn't reading in bed. I mean, unless it's like a massive book and he can't bring it up the stairs. Mm -hmm. But um, Some of those days, you know, one of those like like, lectern kind of things. Yeah, like a big eagle, golden Mm -hmm. eagle thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then she sings uh, a, a pretty awful song. Mm-hmm. Oh, bless her. Okay, so... A... <laughs> Go. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so they don't have a mansion, Bordello, but daughter, wife, and father, husband have a fucking huge house in L.A. Mm-hmm. And they're like, we're cops, we're so poor. I don't doubt that part. I doubt the fucking huge house in L.A. Mm-hmm. Um, and the song called If That Isn't Love. If That Isn't Love. These are, this is the paragraph I wrote about it. Is literally a song about believing anything short of her parents' relationship is a failure, and also about how great her completely sexless, passionless marriage is. Yes. That's, that's spot on. I fucking hated that song. Everything <laughs> about it. There was absolutely no... Like, there was nothing moving. Like, nothing... I just no. kind of, like, fuzzed out. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just know mm-hmm. nothing, nothing moved me at all mm-hmm. about that performance. Yeah. At all. Yeah. I just felt so innocent bystander yeah. uh, about that song. Mm-hmm. It was just, it just completely washed over me. Yeah. Um, and it was bizarre because it was a power ballad mm-hmm. and you just kind of think, but then she was wearing like this horrible floral uh, uh, dressing gown. Mm-hmm. And if you're doing a power ballad, you have to be wearing shoulder pads and she did not have shoulder pads. And this is 1990, for fuck's sake. Everybody's dressing gown had, had uh, shoulder pads. Back in Wales, 15-year-old me had a dressing gown with uh, shoulder pads, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Admittedly, all my clothes had uh, shoulder pads <laughs> back then. Cause... I thought you were going to say all your clothes were, were dressing gowns. <laughs> <laughs> no, they all had shoulder pads. I was missing Dynasty. It just finished. Well, you know, <laughs> so, it happens. Yeah. Um, I that song is like the unflavored gelatin of music. Mm-hmm. Like you put it in, in your mouth and you're like, oh, it's gone. And I tasted nothing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She gave it her best. She did. But even that was piss poor. 
You can only wrap a turd in so much Christmas paper. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know? Yes. Um, or in so much floral dressing gown. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. hope it doesn't stink. But yeah. it really did. It was just such a bad song, and everything about it was bad, and its message was bad. It was bad. Yeah. But I did like how the window was open. That looked really refreshing to me. That's like true. I, mm-hmm. I felt like she must have lived in a nice neighborhood mm-hmm. in L.A. and Andor was on the second story because that mm-hmm. that to me I was more drawn to that yeah. than mm-hmm. anything in the actual scene. Yeah. So. But again, nonsensical. Um, yeah. Fire on during the day in that in that mansion place. Yeah. Fucking windows open at night at mm-hmm. hers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Maybe they're actually cops in San Francisco, but they commute from L.A. <laughs> so the uh, house is in L.A., but the art burglary happened in San Francisco on a cold day in San Francisco. Yeah. Okay. Which would justify the fire. Let's go yeah. with that. Because there are neighborhoods okay. in San Francisco where it's always cold. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We'll go, we'll go with that. They're just driving seven or eight hours. Yeah. One yeah. way. Some people really like to drive. Mm -hmm. Put on some cassette, you know, book on tape. Exactly. Speaking of driving, I noticed that in the cop cars, the the to protect and serve was clearly like just like a sticker that they had stuck (laughs) on the side of the car because it wasn't the same. The background of the text wasn't the same shade of white as the rest of the cop car. Oh. And so it was just, it was like... Somebody had just like printed it out and just like slapped it on there with some corn <laughs> meal and just like gone. Uh, it was so bad. Chief Ronnie Cox probably had it done the same time as he was having his uh, life size probably so. uh, Barbara Bossom mm-hmm. uh, 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 <laughs> cutouts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he gets them done as magnets. He hands them out down at the station because yeah. there's only one station in LA. Obviously, yeah. he knows all the cops. There must mm-hmm. only be one station. Yeah, right. and um. And he says, everybody just go buy a white Caprice Classic, Mm -hmm. paint the front and black, front and back black. Yeah. And then slap this on the side of your car when you go on duty. We're done. Yeah. And P.S. Pay no attention to that massive flatbed scanner. That's nothing to do with this. (laughs) (laughs) Or the massive microwave in the other room. When he wants to go cook up some people pizza, you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, everybody knows the cops. Right. So, yeah. It would be, wouldn't it? Yeah. Uh, and, oh, God, that song was so boring. I even, like, I was more interested in the big George O'Keefe print that they had in their bedroom. Oh, I didn't even notice. Yeah. Only I literally last... stopped looking at it. Had <laughs> your eyes just stopped working. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, I was looking at it and I was thinking, uh, it's not even a print, right? It was a poster. And I was kind of thinking, like, oh, it looked really cheap. Uh, hmm. And why did everything have to be flowery? You know, her, the oh. bedspread was flowery, the curtains were flowery, her dressing gown was flowery. They had a big fucking picture on the, on the flowery wall of some flowers. And, uh, and yeah, and even then it wasn't a print, it was a poster. And I was thinking she probably nicked that from a crime scene. The whole <laughs> thing was, yeah. I bet that's one of the things that got stolen from the Bordello house. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she's like, well, they're already listing everything that's gotten stolen. I'll just take this poster. Who yeah. No, exactly. <laughs> just add it to the list. And yeah. or a negligee and or some earrings. <laughs> yeah. She comes out with one earring, half of a negligee. And a, and a poster. poster. And she's like, just. 
Pop the trunk on the Caprice Classic. I got to split some stuff. I'm going shopping. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's what uh, uh, Chief Ronnie Cox has in his bag at the beginning of the epi- oh, episode. Maybe. See, because that was different. We didn't have it last mm-hmm. week. You had it this week. You know how, like, in a company that you know is going under, there's that concept mm-hmm. of the fire sale? Yeah. Where, like, everybody gets laid off and so everybody just grabs what's around. Mm-hmm. I, having worked in the IT industry for a while, I have observed, I've, of course, never participated in multiple instances of the fire sale. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and I really feel like, the, by episode two, the people in the show are like, fucking grab whatever you can. <laughs> yeah, so by, by episode 11, every set will be totally bare. It'll be like some kind of weird fucking minimalist play. And or they're like Edward all... Edward Albee's cop rock. <laughs> and or they're all just like pretending they're all the scenes are in crack houses. Because there's yes. absolutely nothing. There. Yeah. No furniture, no art, mm-hmm. no yes. nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which actually... Uh, that feels like a, an opportune moment to bring up the fact that the tart with a heart was not in this week's episode and that I found unforgivable. <laughs> She'll be back. Well, you said that last week. She wasn't back this week. I mean, I, I've, I've made my peace with perhaps never seeing Crystal Ashtray again. <laughs> but... but but that was a child, and therefore of lesser <laughs> value. I mean, that'd be 60 bucks, you <laughs> well, know? Like... Exactly. And he said it was 200 I know. Right? Exactly. I mean, that child was worth $60. Um, $1990. So it's like, it's like 120 bucks or something. Uh, yeah. Okay. But her mother is worth a million. <laughs> and she was not in this week's episode and I just wanted to go on record as saying I'm really not happy okay duly noted okay let's write a letter to them I think we should mm-hmm. Stephen Bocco Stephen Bocco Bocco yeah who's you know still around and does stuff as far as I know yeah well I shall I shall send him an offensive bouquet mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so this show was not to dive off into the like the behind the scenes just yet because there is another point or two to make. Mm-hmm. But this show is one show in a ten show contract he had with ABC at the time. Yeah, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Did he actually make all ten shows? I don't know. I don't think so because I've read a description of at least one of the shows, including the contract that I never heard of. The concept even was completely alien to me. Right. And I was like, oh, I'm not sure that show ever got made. But I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Okay. I'll do some more research. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, talking of uh, kind of uh, stuff that was outside the narrative, at the beginning there was a name that came up, Terry Austin, and I mm-hmm. said at the time, oh, "Terry Austin, I know that name. I don't know why." And um, so it's just as though, as if my queer credentials haven't been established enough. <laughs> As soon as she popped up, which was at this point in the show, she was she played a character called Trish, who was the uh, who seemed to be the backup lawyer of the lawyer that the spiky Italian has yes. uh, hired to uh, defend him in court. 
if there are any charges related to him having murdered the shit out of a guy. Yes. Uh, and uh, and as soon as she popped up, I thought, I know her. That's Terry Austin. I could not place her. Mm-hmm. A quick look on IMDb. And it turns out she played Jill in Knott's Landing for four years. And she was the crazy girlfriend of Gary Ewing who ended up murdering herself. She didn't kill herself. She murdered herself. Yeah. She basically, what happened was, uh, her murdered body was found in Gary's trunk. And it turns out that she'd murdered herself, dragged her dying body (laughs) down from her apartment into the parking garage, into the back of Gary's uh, trunk, and then... Pulled the lid down on herself. Maybe she's kind of a neat freak and just wanted to clean up after her, you know. Yeah. Was she killing herself and trying to make it look like he murdered yes. her? Yes. Wow, that's trying to how to get away with murder, isn't it? Oh, I don't know. I mean, sort of like, I mean, once I, I saw I mean, that years ago yeah. and I thought I'd never want to watch another murder mystery again because nothing can top that. Right. <laughs> no, I want to say that, that how to get away with murder... Which I've never watched, but mm-hmm. you, but I'm on the internet, and so I know everything about it. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of TV that I'll never need to watch yeah. because I've been on the internet once in my entire life, and so I'll never need to know about it again. <laughs> Game of Thrones, I've got a theory about how it ends. I've never watched 30 seconds of that show. <laughs> but um, in How to Get Away with Murder, I believe that there is somebody who commits suicide in a way that is meant to frame someone else for their own murder. Well, they they got that from Knott's Landing. Yeah, there you go. See? Just, they thought it'd been long enough. They could just recycle the concept. Well, they weren't banking on us pooling our <laughs> mental resources <laughs> together. Yeah. It was so, quite good, actually, because the way they found it out was they f- found her fingerprint on the kind of inside of the trunk lid. Oh, she obviously had to bring yeah. it down somehow. And if she did, she couldn't bring it down that way because she would have snapped her fingers and the thing. So she actually put her finger up in a hole in the yeah. trunk and brought it down that way. And they found a perfect fingerprint. And so... Well, case closed. Exactly. Along with the trunk. <laughs> yes. So anyway, and she's in eight episodes of Cop Rock. So I'm yeah. very much looking forward to Terry uh, uh, Austin. Yeah, she sticks around. Yeah, I'm glad. The guy who is the main lawyer that he's gone to, who's like renowned as the best lawyer in LA, he's yes. all like, well, you know, I have a reputation because I tend to upstage the judge and I don't always appreciate that. And you're just like, shut the fuck up, Charles. <laughs> um, I don't know who he is. I just feel like his name needs to be Charles. Yes. Um, he, uh, I'm convinced, I need to look him up, I'm convinced he's on V from the 80s because I am convinced I've watched the dude peel his own face off. I just remember the, eating the mice. That's all I remember from V. I was like uh, seven or eight or That's a part of it too? Yeah. Uh, okay. That's all, all I remember. I was fascinated by that shit. I'm like... I remember I the jumpsuits. Yeah, oh yeah, the jumpsuits. The red jumpsuits. Yeah. I really want to cosplay as a V character, actually. That would point. be awesome. I feel like that's very topical now that, you know, Nazis are back in the mainstream. Mm. Yeah. Well, and and V is very much a, a like a weird pseudo crossover between an anti-communist and an anti-Nazi story. Yes. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. You just could, yeah, because you could walk around, couldn't you, with like a, a mouse. Ooh, I don't like mice though, so. Uh. Get a plastic one. Or get a plastic mouse, there yeah. we go. Or a sugar mouse, I'll and then make, you could actually I'll, eat it. I'll make jello mice, or chocolate mice, something yeah. like that. You know, that'd be 
weird and I would probably vomit. Um, so anyway, <laughs> like some some cotton candy for the fur, mm, you know, yeah. like white mm. cotton candy. You're good at this. Yeah. Mm. Kudos. Mm. <laughs> I'll fashion you a, a V-mouse if I can find some white cotton candy. <laughs> don't forget the corkscrew penis. Yeah, well... Mm. I don't think mice have them, do they? Yeah, if, if, if only in V they'd eaten ducks. <laughs> <laughs> Be like, let me tell you true facts of the corkscrew penis. <laughs> the thing is, like, but people eat duck, don't they? Yeah. I mean... It's delicious. I mean, delicious. what you're, what they were in V were um, aliens. What mm. you're thinking about is Chinese people. <laughs> oh, okay. I get them so confused. Yes, <laughs> crispy duck, <laughs> so, uh, and th- th- they're really delicious. Also, French people they eat a lot of duck. Oh, France. and yeah, I mean, you know, do they? Very similar. I didn't know that French mm-hmm. people ate duck. I mean, I'm yeah. not saying that they were allergic or anything like that, or that it was off the menu, but um, I thought they were probably too busy in like snails and frog legs and stuff. No, there's a really good French restaurant downtown that does great duck. Oh, mm-hmm. well, there we go then. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Martin, so. I only have one, like, I have one last line, um, even though that wasn't the end of the episode. Uh, <laughs> it, it's it's going to be all right, which I think was the name of the last song. And yeah, I'm, that's the it's the captain and his wife. Oh, that would explain the O N G after it. Yeah, because it's also a song about how shitty their relationship is, and she has given up everything for him. Yes, and now it's her job to make dinner. Yes, but you know they love each other, so that's okay. And I'm like, no, this song is also bad and about bad things. Mm-hmm. Yes, and she was wearing a flowery dress oh, as well. Oh, that was terrible. Oh, yeah. it was awful. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And her delivery is the most wooden delivery of any song ever. It is clear. That she is just like, fine, I'll do the fucking scene if I get to go home. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Because I got to cook husband or dinner for my real husband. Right, yeah. You know? Yeah, and the fact that he kept like singing really loudly in her face. <laughs> oh my God. And I just thought you could sense the actress just thinking, stop shouting in my face. Uh, I felt very, very sorry for her. Yeah. I really hope they had like, Freshly brushed teeth too, because they were mm. really close, all up at you know those bits, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but at least we knew he had clean hands. That's true. Yeah, she didn't make him wash his hands. Yeah, to try to get the music off of them. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, so like they go so out of their way to make his home life like so sweet and adorable mm-hmm. that I wrote down the captain's home life is so artificially sweet that I still got diabetes. And then I died by being smothered under an avalanche of saccharin. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I think that's a very good uh, synopsis of that song. Mm -hmm. Um, And then after the episode, during the closing credits, while I was trying not to look at the giant letters of the closing credits (laughs) flying out of the television and actually bouncing physically off of my face, Uh um, I wrote, the songs in this episode are especially awful. No, not awful. They are actively wretched. They are a form of slow torture perpetrated by the KGB's music branch. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like this episode is almost Lovecraftian in its desire to drive us slowly mad. Yes. Oh, but I just came away from it feeling strangely numb. Oh, wow. I definitely felt very numb during um, What's-Her-Face's, the, the, um, the daughter-wife yeah, yeah. song. 
But I, I felt kind of like a hearkening back to Rod Stewart-esque during the last last song. Oh. Like there were some very Rod moments that I was just kind of like, wow. Mm. I mean, did you feel the mm-hmm. Rod, you know? <laughs> Non-corkscrewed <laughs> Rod? <laughs> I would feel his rod, but only if it would make him stop singing. <laughs> I just want that to be known. This is the uh, Phantom Mustache. Phantom Mustache, yeah. yeah. Um, I'd feel his rod. Yeah, I'd feel his I rod. I mean, yeah, sure. Yeah. Whatever. Just he if, he wasn't, if he wasn't singing. He can't yeah. sing. If, yeah. if he starts singing, it's over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and then there was like a... Oh, yes. And then it all ended with uh, Father Husband... Coming round to Phantom Mustache, his house, and encroaching on the uh, the idol uh, by having a go at him for telling Vicky that father husband, her father husband had lied, mm-hmm. and that was the end of the episode. Yeah, it's just like, hey, don't don't come around and threaten my family. Close credits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which again, not a bad scene. Mm-hmm. No. If it were in a different cop show, yes, with it's no a, singing, with no singing, it's a it's a great scene. From yes, a totally different cop show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also maybe not at the end of the mm-hmm. show because that it yeah. was just like a ending. Yeah, because literally the, the captain is just like, oh well, back inside, and he just like turns around and walks back in the door, and, the, and like he's visibly unfazed. He's just like whatever. Yes. Uh, it's, it hurt, especially considering the final sequence last week was uh, Tart with a Heart uh, singing the song to Crystal Ashtray having given her away for 60 quid, $60. <laughs> and that was sad, wasn't it? We like that. And this was just like... Yeah. One of the problems with like the construction of any sort of fiction like this is that the characters have to care least as much as the audience Mm -hmm. does in order for the audience to follow along with them. Yes. Like follow that emotional arc. The characters have to demonstrate that the story is meaningful to them in order for it to be perceived as meaningful by the people watching or reading or listening or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, uh, there's just a lot of blank stares in this TV show mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. where you're like, not only do I not care, I don't care partly because they don't care. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like they've given up season point two five, <laughs> you know, like pilot point two, pilot 25 yeah. minutes in or 15 yeah. minutes in. Like the ratings. And now we can, I guess we can head into mm-hmm. like the stuff behind the scene. The pilot episode had 14 and a half million viewers. Roughly. Whoa. It was it was not which at the time was considered not great performance. Yeah. Its share was um, something like sixteen percent or something like that. Right. In an era when there were three kind of three and a half networks because like Fox was starting to do stuff, but they didn't have I don't think in nineteen ninety that they had a full lineup yet. They right. were doing like for the first two or three seasons of Fox they were like doing a couple of nights a week on the stations that were willing to carry Fox stuff. They mm-hmm. were mostly independent UHF stations just scattered around. Right. Because um, I grew up in a place with an independent UHF station and the three major networks and a PBS station. And eventually, by the time I was in high school, the independent UHF station had stopped like showing like Z movies in, at night and started showing Fox stuff. 
okay. uh, and had become a Fox affiliate. Right. But, like, there's not a lot to watch. I mean, there were people who had cable and people had satellite and there were other options for them. But, like, the average person at the time in a lot of places just had five networks, mm-hmm. you know, and at best. And, like, they, they, they didn't get a lot of people watching the show. But the second episode, the one we just watched, mm-hmm. viewership literally drops by a third. Right. From 14 and a half to nine and a half. Wow. Which was a bomb at the time. Yeah. Unless, I mean, well, and it, like, we've talked about the X-Files a lot because we watched a lot of X-Files. Mm-hmm. Four years later, the X-Files is getting, three years later, is getting ratings like that. And is coming in like 145th. Yes. You know, for the week, ratings-wise. These days, all of these ratings would be runaway hits. Mm-hmm. But at the time... It was a disaster, ratings-wise. Yeah. It's just, I don't know, it's interesting to me how dramatically viewership dropped off after the first episode. And then it's basically, the ratings like drop a little each week, mm-hmm. but not dramatically like that. The ratings at the end of the 11, season, the 11 episodes are not really that different from, right. the, from the second episode. Yeah. Well, I guess with this kind of show, you know, the first episode, you're going to get lots of people tuning in to see what the hell it's going to be. Let's watch Cop Rock. Let's watch Cop <laughs> yeah. Rock. And then, by the, so the people tuning in for the second episode, they know what a show it's going to be by that point. And the nature of the show is such that you're either going, going to want to watch it or not want to watch it. It's not, kind of, it's not the kind of show that you're going to dip in and out of. You know, mm. you're either, oh, fuck, that's not for me, or I love it. Mm-hmm. Having said that, last week I would have said, "Oh yeah, this is for me." This week, I'm not so sure. I didn't hate it; it just left me feeling a bit like Maria the housemaid, if I'm honest. Really? Yes, and uh, and that scares me because now I'm thinking at some point in the next few hours. Some spiky Italian is going to ask me <laughs> what shampoo, shampoo I use <laughs> and threaten me with lesbian rape. <laughs> so, would you describe yourself as, you know, are we ready to head into innocent bystander? Good cock back yeah. I'm How innocent. I'm innocent bystander this week. Okay. I, I didn't hate it. And I have to say, I think some, a lot of these actors, I like them. I think they're, you know, they're doing a good job with what they're given. Yes. Um, and uh, and so you know I can't fault them. Um, I have to say, father husband, I think he's really good. I think he's mm-hmm. excellent in that role. Hydrocephalic head or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not his fault that his prostrates like prostates expanded. Um, so <laughs> uh, I mean, it's his fault that he married a young lady, but. She chose him, as he tells us in the pilot episode. Mm-hmm. I know. Well, sings to us. Exactly. Fact. It's a May to December relationship mm-hmm. that's uh, totally um, uh, agreed on by both parties. Yeah. So that's fair enough. But no, so so I have to say, uh, hated the songs. Really hated the songs. Yeah. Kind of kind of felt as though they were just cushing me over the head with their awfulness uh, until I was just, you know, uh, but I still found some stuff to like in it. Um, massive black mark, obviously, not having tat with a heart. Uh, 
But um, but on the whole, I'm innocent bystander this week. I would say I'd have to be a bad cop. To go for it. I I didn't I I I also feel that the music was terrible. Um, I did not feel any emotion mm-hmm. in any of the songs, <laughs> but I did like the um, the Menudo rap. That was like the one song that kind of like got me slightly excited that I was spending an hour of my life watching Cobb <laughs> Rock, 40 minutes. <laughs> um, and now I'm just going to be bad cop and just say that, yeah, I think... I think it's total shit. It's got you know a couple. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be watching it for the next eleven or seven, nine, nine weeks. Nine weeks. It, it will weeks. end. Yeah. It will end. Thank God. Um, but yeah, end. I'm total bad cop. I mean, there was just too much like you know, anti everybody in this episode, and I just feel like everybody just hated everybody and was fucking nuts and just angry and just shitty people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I guess that leaves me as a good cop, <laughs> and so I'm gonna defend the one part of the show of the episode that I think is totally defensible, and that is that it does talk openly about racial profiling by the police mm-hmm. in a time when, like, nobody was talking about that. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, and when like when the Rodney King video happened, and people were just shocked that the police would ever behave that way. Mm-hmm. When like, no fucking a. A lot of it, a lot of police department. I mean, there was a report last week um, that the FBI has spent years quietly investigating white supremacy in police forces across America. And everywhere they look, every police force they look at, they find real, honest to God, Klan hood wearing white supremacists. And I like this is a real problem in our society. And every time we're confronted with it, we pretend it's not, we pretend we're shocked. Yeah, you know, we just pretend we've never would have guessed that that was the case. And here's a, a shitty, shitty song <laughs> that I will never defend musically, but uh, that that talks about this in a way that I mean, they were at least they were trying to address that. Yeah, mm. it, it one of the problems I have with the cop show genre is they are universally either like um, I don't know any other cop show where uh, the cops are all golden, perfect people and we should just like let them get away with whatever they need to get away with because they're keeping us safe and we should admire everything about them. Or they're the shield, which is every cop is corrupt and horrible and Mm -hmm. a terrible human being and just an animal with a badge. And this show is actually trying to present complex characters that have good and bad about them mm-hmm. and uh and i feel like i feel like ralph the mm-hmm. husband dad <laughs> uh, you know yeah he lied to cover up a murder but he's also kind of a nice guy you know mm-hmm. and like i feel like there are good there are things about the show that are positive in that they are honest representations of the police and honest representations of the problems our society has with interactions with the police mm-hmm. and so that was a really long road to how I guess I'm the good cop. No, well, that's good. It's good that we needed a good cop. Well, we didn't need a good cop. We could have been, like, a bad cop as well. But I feel as though this episode was full of bad cops. So it's nice to have one good one. There are... Things will get... Mm, <laughs> okay, I'm not going to say better. Uh, there are more entertaining elements coming. Okay. Thank God. 
Yeah. Well, we're gonna. It's also that. the most offensive storyline in the whole show. Oh shit. Um. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's. Well, it's I'll, it's two episodes from now. It'll be fine. Um, okay. I think it comes up in the next episode, but I don't so remember. Do we get to see Crystal Ashtray again? I mean, do you want to know? Cause no, I don't. Oh, no, no I don't. Want, yeah. I don't want a spoiler. Right. Yeah. No spoilers. Yeah. Oh my god, I'm actually clutching <laughs> you my, <are>. my chest. <laughs> yeah. yeah. On like, your jewels. I know, yeah, right? <laughs> okay, th- but see, this is how desperate we are for for any surface where we can find purchase emotionally with this television show. Mm-hmm. The baby is the only <laughs> thing we've got left. I think I'm mostly fascinated because we're, you know, it's Crystal Ashtray. Like, I just think that's <laughs> fucking hysterical. The well, babies, because we know that it was more than one baby. So, yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah, more than yeah. One baby. so the babies. Yeah. Yeah. Babies slash children. Uh, what I would love is if the storyline is that it's a different baby every time in character, <laughs> and she doesn't know because she's so high. She's just like <laughs> leaving her baby in crack She's just like swapping them around. And <laughs> she just doesn't know. She just sees a baby when she's not holding one. It's like, oh, it's Crystal, Crystal Ashtray, and picks it up and runs off. <laughs> yeah, and she's got meth speed, so nobody can catch her. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, that would be a perfect setup for the. Uh, the follow-on show, right? Picking it up 27 years later. And all of these babies have been swapped. (laughs) So that would be an excellent episode of Cock Rock. Cock Rock Swap. Cock Rock Swap. Swap Rock. Swap Rock. (laughs) I'd watch the the shit out of that. Well, I can't remember the name of the show now. The show that's the that's the Canadian show um, about the woman who has all the doubles. It's oh, called, Orphan Black. Uh, Orphan Black. Yes. Maybe Orphan Black is the stealth sequel to Cop Rock. The main character is Crystal Ashtray and her many doubles. Oh my god, I just jizzed a little bit when he said that. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, well I can't stop that. <laughs> On that note, an hour and 38 minutes in. Okay. I mean, we'll trim it down. That's fine. Yes. Uh, I I think we're good. Mm-hmm. Next week is better. Okay. It's got to be. I'm looking forward to it. I only have to say that eight more times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, this And is... I'll try not to say what the fuck all the time about oh, it. I don't care. I know. Well, I'm... I'm... I start an OMG at the end there because I yeah. run out of what the fucks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, we should probably sign off. Uh, bye from Officer Orifice Detective Duda and Sergeant Snell thanks for listening have a great night try not to get arrested by horrible musical cops Let's Watch Cop Rock is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 4.0 International License. The theme music for Let's Watch Cop Rock is The Crime by Risework, released under a Creative Commons Non-Commercial Sharealike 3.0 License. And don't forget, you can find us on Twitter as at Coprocker and at Officer Orifice.